1: Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt McGacky, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music
0: We don't really have like an official title. We should probably work on that. But all that aside, we've got a serious episode for you today. This is nuts. Buzz Osborne from the Melvins? That's who we're talking to today. That is absolutely bonkers. If you had told me that this was going to be something that would actually happen, I would have called you crazy. But here we are on this podcast, what, like six, seven years later, whatever it is, and I'm talking to Buzz. We had a really, really interesting chat. We had a really good time, and I hope you enjoy it. Who am I kidding? You're going to enjoy this one. This was a fantastic chat. But it bears mentioning, and I don't want to sully this with too much preamble nonsense, if you're waiting on a message from me, I just got back from Nashville. I was down there doing some work stuff with the Stringjoy folks, with my my wonderful people at Big Gear Pedals, Karen and Grant, and I just had a bunch going on. I still have a bunch going on. I don't know when I ever will not have a bunch going on. And that is awesome. But all that to say, if you're waiting on a message from me or an email or whatever, I will get back to you as soon as possible. I'm absolutely buried trying to keep my head on straight. And really, that's all I all I should say at this, this point in the episode. I apologize to anyone who's waiting on a message from me. I'm really doing my best to get back to everyone. But it is a, quite the avalanche when I go, I go rogue for a little while and I don't pay 110% attention to what's going on on the interweb. So all that to say, I'm sorry, but I hope you will accept this wonderful episode as a token of my sincere apologies. And hey, let's get into it. Stop talking. Let's talk to Buzz. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have none other than Buzz Osborne. What is going on, man? Hey, how are you? Dude, I'm super stoked about this. Uh, thank you for having me on your show. I'm Thank you for being here. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Good. I think you know we can probably not do what I usually do with guests who have been on for the first time and go over like their whole backstory, because I feel like that is probably well-established with my listeners at this point.
1: (laughs) I would take uh, most of the show.
0: Yeah, exactly. So we'll just see what happens when I start from this point. Sounds Uh, good. Your distortion pedal that you did with uh, yes, is one of my favorite things, and I used it all over my last record. So That's great. It's so cool. Can you tell me how you got hooked up with Nathan and how that all started?
1: Nathan... Hillbush is a great guy and um he in uh 2016 got a hold of the um guy who uh records all of our records pretty much uh, Toshi Kasai mm-hmm. and he sent him a preamp that he'd made thinking that if he sent it to Tosh I would probably try it you know mm-hmm. and it's basically um a takeoff on the Sun Beta Lead preamps that I've always used that are from like the late seventies. Yep. And so I tried it, and it was great. And I was like, "Oh my god! You know, I'm finally found something that I can uh, switch over to uh, from these Suns because the Sun, as great as that stuff is, it's literally you're talking about solderers from 1979. Yeah. Uh, uh, um. I would have loved to switch to something new that sounded, you know, the way I wanted it to, which is a, uh, um, it's a, it's a solid state preamp, and um, that you run into a power amp. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I said I tried it, and I said, you know, I got a tour coming up. We did, we we're going to do a U.S. tour with Napalm Death, and I go. Um, he goes, well, take it on the tour and test it out for me, and see how how it does. And so I brought it along with one of my sons and used it every single show for the whole tour. And I told him I'm in, I want to buy more of them. And so he gave me that one uh, for trying it out for him, road testing the whole thing. And that was a good test because, you know, that's, I can't remember how many shows it was, 40 some shows or something like that. And it worked perfectly. And so I bought uh, two more from him. And, uh, um, uh, we just went from there. Then we started talking about, let's do some, uh, boxes. You know, how would you like to do distortion boxes? So I told him what I wanted to do in the distortion box which was uh, um, something I discussed with the guys that I play with, um, Steven and uh, Kevin Rupmanis, who I used to play with. And they're like, what distortion boxes, they play bass. So you go, what distortion boxes lack is this mid-sweep. Mm-hmm. They never have a mid-sweep and certainly don't on bass, bass distortions. And so I was like, we got to have a mid-sweep in this thing. And so, you know, um, you know, uh, high, low, and mid. And, uh, and then, um, talked about what boxes I liked, um, what I wanted out of it. And, uh, because first and foremost, what I had to tell him was if the amp doesn't do it, distortion box is not going to do it. It's not going to save your, save your sound. Um, you got to have an amp that sounds good by itself before you can add the, add the distortion to it. Or you know a box like that will just sweeten the deal. But if your amp itself isn't work isn't correct, uh, I think it's a really super bad idea to try to fix it with a box because now you're depending on the entire sound that you have in one stomp box. That's crazy, mm-hmm. you know. So, so um I'm, so the amp already sounded good without anything, and you add in the distortion box, it works really good. Now, I really like that. I like the uh, the other thing I like is the mix control, which means you can go you can mix in or out as much of the signal as you want. Yep. Which most distortion boxes don't have it. It's either on or it's off. And it was it's on, you can set the level of distortion. That's about it. But this one, you can actually set how much amp is in it versus distortion. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that about it because some clean blends on, I've had them on other boxes before and it's hard to describe, especially because I'm not an electrical engineer by any stretch, but sometimes they sound like they're sit the signals are sitting on top of each other, rather than actually being blended together. Um, I'm sure that's not a technically accurate uh, description, but yours has a nice blend to it. It actually sounds mixed together as you dial it up and down, instead of it being kind of stacked. If that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, and he, he Nathan is an electron, electrical engineer. Mm-hmm. He is that's what he does for a living, and mm-hmm. uh, and and but he's a super big music fan as well. So. Fortunately, he was a fan of us and liked what I was doing, and um, he's easy to deal with. I'm very much uh, into the idea that I'm working with a guy. When I call, I'm talking to the guy, right? And which is the same with the guitars I use, Electrical Guitar Company, Mm -hmm. Kevin Burkett, same thing. I'm talking to Kevin. Uh, I really like that. I like that kind of um, um, closeness you can have with somebody like that you don't get from a big company. Yes, totally. You just don't. Especially, I mean, I might get that if I was like, I sold, you know, 10 million records. It was slash or something like that. I might get superstar treatment. I'm not really looking for superstar treatment, but I want something where somebody's actually listening to me and um, we can talk about it. Just don't want someone um, telling me they're going to do a bunch of stuff and then just blowing me off when they realize that we don't have gold albums.
0: <laughs> right. Or it's, still, you know, it ends up getting watered down or designed by committee, you know? And then it's like, wait, this is not the thing that I. I said that I wanted, it's kind of like a record in that way.
1: I, you know, I've never had that experience with records, but I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've pretty much made the records that, well, hundred percent made the records that I wanted to make. Yeah. Um, the time I made them, um, I haven't had, uh, any, uh, 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 experience with, uh, being, you know, pushed into the corner by someone of any stripe. Mm-hmm whether it was Atlantic records or Ipecac or any of those people, they just took the records as we made them. That's fantastic. Yeah. A
0: lot of people don't get that kind of, uh, experience. Sometimes they, they get uh, bullied into, you know, making something one way or another. And I, I mean, I'm sure some good records have been made that way, but largely I think most people's favorite records are designed by the artist and the team that they have assembled, you know, and that's the, that's, some of the favorite gear too is that way. Most of the things I have that I really love are made by smaller companies, just like you're talking about. You know I mean,
1: sometimes that works. Um, the, the smaller com- I mean, it's the same with like indie versus major. There's not like every indie's great. Right. No one has ripped me off more than indie labels, ever. <laughs> I believe that. I believe if you that. don't want to get paid, just make sure you do your record on an indie. Mm-hmm. You'll absolutely, get nothing. For sure. You know, almost for sure. I mean, the find finding record companies that that are indies that will actually pay you anything is as rare as a dodo bird and that's how indie record labels survive now is by not paying you anything so but it's not like they ever did really pay you but now it's worse than ever you're just not going to get anything and you'll record the record yourself you'll pay for everything you'll give it to them and you'll get nothing right Zero. So the label will go to a big distributor. They'll get some huge advance. Then the the, then the label just keeps that money, and then the bands will never collect any royalties because the 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 distributor will never pay them any royalties because they already paid the label a bunch of money. Right, right. So it's just a it's a mess.
0: What what do they what this this is a topic that comes up a lot on this show because I, you know, this is not the same as trying to make a record, but in the way that I have been able to get people to listen to it in the way that people listen to music these days, it's kind of similar in some ways. And I, you know, didn't have anybody supporting me other than the guests and the the listeners. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately. It's like, what point does a label really serve in this day and age is that you've, you've had all of the experiences. What, what do you think about that?
1: Well, it depends on what you want as far as like, uh, um, the label sometimes can do; they can manage it with the distributor to some degree to make sure you get paid. A lot of times with the distributor, what they'll do is they will cross collateralize everything that's on the label. Mm-hmm. So if the label puts out three records, um, then they'll go, "Well, you had money from the first one, but then you took money for the second one, so we have to get that money back, and then there's money for the third one, so we have to get that and instead of." They can do things like that, and if the label's not careful, then you're never going to get paid. They're just not going to get any money for it. And so they can facilitate that sort of thing. Um, What I like about it is uh, you can have somebody that's pushing your stuff in a wide variety of different directions that you don't, maybe as an artist, don't have time for, you know? Right, right. You know, the genie's out of the bottle with this thing. Um, Music is basically free. And um, it's difficult to figure out a way to make any money doing it and people think that um as a result of that music is actually worthless which maybe it is but uh you know um there's only so long i can make records that make me absolutely no money before i don't make any more records right exactly it's just no point in mm-hmm. doing it i can't just do it to lose money i mean yeah you can make crappy recordings at home and make records or put them on the internet sure you can do that but it's like our mastering guy said he's like a guy we master all of our stuff with, John Golden, he said he has never, in the last 10 years, he's never mastered worse music ever in his career. Because it's the worst sounding crap that he's ever heard. Because people have completely forgotten why they did it with professionals in the first place. I can just do this at home. Well, sure you can. You know, and you can send in an out of phase record and and that has all low end because you mix it on computer speakers and, and wonder why it all sounds like crap. Good luck finding records that sound any good. That's <laughs> <laughs> the problem. So, really, if you make something that sounds good, it's going to stand up and up above a, a lot of crap. But that's kind of always been the case. But um, uh, uh, so you know, there's there's give and take in all those departments. Just because you have a recording setup it doesn't mean you're going to make good records. Just because you have the the ability to get it out to millions of people doesn't mean that that it's going to be good. You can't throw technology at something and make it good. You just can't has to come from writing songs and things along those lines, which I think is important, but the labels, um, you know, if you want to do something, it's kind of nice to have a small partnership with someone who's there working on that side while you're doing the other side. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to do everything. You yeah. Most people that do end up not lasting for that long anyway. Yeah. Burnout's real. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a, it's something that, uh,
0: I think everybody deals with. It's, it's happened to me before and it's, it's not fun. So if you can avoid that by taking some of the, you know, the load off your shoulders, I could see where that is beneficial.
1: Yeah. But just getting, to, you know, the distance between a indie band and a, a check is the longest distance in the world. You know, it just almost never happens. So you just got to be careful. I work with really good people. I work with the guys at Ipecac. They're great. I work with Tom Hazemeyer. He's great. Beyond that, I haven't had a real good experience with most labels. You know. That's
0: interesting. Have you ever considered just doing it all on your own?
1: Good. But I mean, I would have to have uh, a lot more free time. That's fine. I mean, I'm sure I could do that. And I'm sure in the future, that's exactly where it's going to end up. Fine mm-hmm. with me. I mean, I'm in this for the long haul. I've watched things since before there were CDs. Right. And um, I personally like CDs. I don't know, people, They're really cheap and they sound really good. Um, I think people uh, are going to realize that at some point because records expensive to make. And by and large, they just sound like crap. <laughs> you know, I just don't, I don't, uh, you try AB in them, I'm sorry. People are hearing stuff that isn't there, you know. But I don't care really how people listen to music. I mean, if you want to listen to crappy sounding MP3s or streaming, fine, What do I care? I, it doesn't bother me, it's the same as the uh, people listening to not, uh, 90 minute cassettes of stuff they recorded at home, out of convenience. I get it, and I'm fine with that. And I'm not a Luddite. I'm not sitting there thinking, well, it was so much better in the past. No, really, I'm not a good old days kind of guy. I'm a move forward type of guy. I'm not a legacy guy. Um, so uh, 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 vinyl to me seems like it's a, a fine. We'll make it as long as people want it. But as soon as people don't want it, why would I make it? I'm not you know, born into that technology and live and die on the vinyl end. But I think it sounds like crap. But people think it sounds fine. Fine with me. I'm not going to tell them they're wrong. You know, yeah, I like it from
0: uh, just the perspective of if I'm going to buy something physical, I want to buy the most physical thing. It's just fun for me to have as a fan, you know. I, I get that, I get that. But uh, it's it's one of those things where it's like, does it sound better? Probably not technically, especially on my system, which is you know not some sort of crazy hi fi setup by any stretch. But I do like the intention that you like the intention it brings to listening versus it being more, a more passive experience. Um you know you really have to you have to go do it. You know, it's not just kind of playing in the background. You have to physically go do it. And for um uh, my generation that like went from CDs to streaming, vinyl I think holds a lot of that appeal. Um
1: yeah I mean, if you need things to do with your hands, that's fine. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother me. Like I said, I would never like there's lots of people who will tell you and go into graphic detail about exactly why you're wrong for wanting to listen to CDs. I would never do that. Right. I'm glad you want to listen to records. It's great. It's music. That's the important thing to me. The vehicle that it's on makes little difference to me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. What's important is the music and the fact that you're hearing it. Right. You're That's making- important. Yeah. You know that the rest of it, I just don't. It's not. It's not. A, it's not a flag I'm, anywhere I want to plant my flag. I'm just not going to do. I won't make CDs. I won't do this. Like I, I'll make anything. Yeah. How do you want it? How do you? I don't it? care. <laughs> you know. Do you want to listen to my music or not? I don't have a political statement to make by how people listen to music. Well, it's not real. It's just numbers, zeros, and numbers. Yeah. And you're probably listening to it through a computer, even though you have a giant vinyl collection. You probably listen to the download card more than you, far more than you listen to the vinyl. Fine with me. <laughs> Of course, because you have it (laughs) in your pocket all the time, right? That's it. You know, I have, uh, you know, iPod type situations. I love it. I can take practically my entire record collection with me, most of which is stuff I burned off of my CDs onto the computer. And now you can burn it at a pretty high rate and it sounds okay. But I store my music on CD. That's if I want a record. Like this morning, I'm listening to On the Corner by Miles Davis Mm -hmm. cranked. That sounds awesome you know, I mean cd it sounds awesome and, and people think i was listening to something the other day through a, a, a friend of mine's really great system uh one of our records and a being on just like the vinyl just doesn't sound as good it's almost like there's too much information for it to sound good
0: well and a lot of people don't realize this but you, you do have to have things mastered differently for vinyl because like I can't like I had to cut so much low end out of my record because I just I'm a baritone fiend and I'm using sub bass and doing all this ridiculous stuff but like it had to get totally redone to get pressed to vinyl and I think a lot of people actually don't know that they think that it's all the same process. Well, I've I've
1: talked to people about that, too, because you go to a mastering session, they'll show you the on the oscilloscope right there. There's a high end that has to go. There's a low end that has to go for your vinyl. All that goes right on your CD. And people, the vinyl fetish people will go, well, you're never going to hear that anyway. And I was like, I disagree. (laughs) Oh, you will. (laughs) You definitely will. (laughs) What you think you're hearing is warmth is usually compression and distortion. Mm -hmm. You know, usually. But like I said, I don't really really want to make that big of a deal out of it because I just I appreciate people listening to vinyl. If that's what they want to listen to, it's fine with me. It really doesn't bother me. I'll make it if people want it. But Mm -hmm. that's the only reason. Right.
0: Well, I I can tell you're not a purist because you uh you you play in the solid state amp, which I'm a fan of that particular amp as well. I have I it's actually right behind me. You probably I can't see it. It's probably behind my giant blue shirt, but what is it? It's a sun a beta lead. Uh it's oh no, you can't see it. It's okay. under the, it's under the red amp. Sorry. <laughs> that was, that's combo amp? For the listener. Um combo? Yeah, it's the
1: combo, the two twelve. Yeah, those are all right. Yeah, they have the, the, the speakers that are inverted. Yeah, they're really weird, hard to mic. Facing <laughs> each other. Yeah. I think they did that to save space, I believe. Is that why? I was trying to figure it out. I was like, this Yeah, doesn't because work. then it, then it can fit into a situation where it's the same size as the head oh uh, okay i'm me... speculating but I've, I've used those amps for a long time you can chain those amps together really easily off the back yes and, and then the, then the first amp becomes the, the the rest slaves the rest of it okay okay you know? so you can run that into another one and run because what i used to do is slave two heads together and then um uh, uh run a double 15 cabinet with one and a 412 cabinet with the other that's raging sounding oh man third mm-hmm. The so, combo or the master volume for the top one runs the whole thing. Yeah. You know, that's raging. But it, what I realized later was I started using stereo power amps. Um, is that I liked being able to control the sound of each cat or the volume of each cabinet. So there was nights So I get on stage and I go tonight, the stage is more high endy because every stage is different. And then I can, I can back off the 12s and have more of the 15s. Mm-hmm. Give myself balance it out a little better. Sounds, mm-hmm. sounds a little better. It's amazing. You can't do that. You can't do that if it's one volume for the whole thing. Yeah. So, no, no.
0: It, it's it's crazy what a room does, and it also you like when you pile bodies in it, then it changes
1: again. <laughs> yeah, it changes. It definitely changes. But every stage is different. One another thing I realized, especially with cabinets, I don't want feet on my cabinets. I don't mm-hmm. want. I don't want casters. That just guts it. What you want is a cabinet with no feet, no no rubber. The cabinet sitting directly on the ground on the stage. Mm-hmm. That is the best you're going to get your cabinet sound, by far. If you have it up in the air, sitting on casters, you're losing the resonance of of the stage it's on. That becomes really difficult when you're playing on like a solid concrete stage. It's really not much you can do. Right. It's just no resonance whatsoever, and it happens. And you start thinking, my amp sounds like crap. My amp sounds like crap. It's like, nah, it's just a stage. Mm-hmm. So you do your best. That's why I love sound checking. I never, under, never, ever, ever understand bands who don't sound check. It's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> They're in bands charging these people, check? charging these people money to come and see you play, and you can't be bothered to come down there and check it out before you actually have to do your job. That's I don't crazy. get it. I've not I mean, experienced, experienced that before. Oh, I've seen countless bands. Especially if we're opening for another band, countless times. Not sound check. Oh, they're not sound checking tonight. I'm sick. Like, what? How can you be that stupid? It's like, oh. what are you here for? Yeah, and why like, are we here? What are you doing instead of that? <laughs> like eating look, chips? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Not there. Sitting yeah. at the hotel, staring out in the middle distance. You know, I want to know to the best of my ability, what I'm in for that night. And, that, and then I take away from the soundcheck um what it sounded like. Cause usually the first song in any sound check sounds like crap. Yeah. It was like I'm in for it. I'm just in for a terrible night. I know what's gonna happen. By the time you do three or three, three, four songs, you can kind of figure it out. But I have a really simple setup on stage. I don't run, I use monitors and it doesn't matter how big the stage is, um, I don't run anything through my monitors except vocals. Okay. Because I can hear the bass and I can certainly hear the drums. (laughs) (laughs) Any trouble hearing both of those things? And uh, um, I don't want. I also don't want to rely on something like monitors for uh, uh, me being able to play music because you're just setting up another another roadblock in your way about whether it's going to be good or not. So I don't like side fills. Once in a while, I'll run a little bit through the side fills, but then we don't usually travel with a monitor guy and I have to tell him just like this. I don't want anything in my monitors except for vocals. <laughs> oh, okay. So you want hat and, and, and snare and you want oh. to <laughs> start over. I don't want anything in my mo- You know, it's like they can't believe it because they're so used to, you know, um, I need to have the hi-hat a little louder, blah, blah. It's like, whatever. I mean, what happens if the monitors go out? Are you quitting? You walking off stage? You know, not me. I want to be able to play whether the monitors are working or not. That just comes from thousands and thousands of shows, you know.
0: Do you prefer, uh, like, regular stage monitors or do you use in-ears? I've never used in-ears.
1: I I can't imagine how that would... To me, it would be like playing with, you know, with the headphones on, which I... In the studio, I try to avoid headphones as much as possible. Okay. Um, um, uh, I want to be able to play on stage and find all the sweet spots for my amp. Usually try to locate those during soundcheck where it sounds the best. Mm -hmm. When I'm playing certain things where the amp reacts the way I want it to for feedback. And then I remember where those spots are when I go back out there and do the show. And so I'm not going to hear that if it's all blasting through my ears at the same volume. I want to be able to get out of the way of the amp and hear the room and hear what the drummer is doing and hear what the bass player is doing without me being in the way, uh, me it just be blasting guitar. I want right. to hear the ambience of the room. It's, to me, it's, it's more of a physical experience than almost anything else. Many mm-hmm. years, I just, I just, you know, I've never tried them, but I just can't imagine. I think it would step all over. Everything I'm doing.
0: Yeah, you've got way more experience than I ever have. But my experience with in ears was that but you know, you'd have to completely change, you know, how you're used to doing it. So I'm not suggesting that you should do that because it's clearly working. But for me, the in-ears provided like this level of detail that I was like, Oh, because I cause I would not probably run just my vocals because of that same problem. I need to hear everything. And the in-ears provided a level of detail that I was like, oh, I didn't realize that I was doing that, you know? Like, oh, I made a mistake here that I wouldn't have otherwise heard. You know, it might have been covered up by the bass and stuff. But um, it's kind of a different thing. But, like, obviously, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know?
1: I mean, maybe it would be better. I mean, I don't know. I I, But I like to hear. I like to be able to get out of the way of my amp. Um, Mm -hmm. I also don't like stacks. I like to have my amps below my uh, head. Yeah, My speaker cabinets below my head, um, especially for vocals. Try you running four, four by twelves you know, two uh, stacked right behind you while you're trying to do vocals. It's like all you're going to hear is guitar. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to compensate for that by having drums and everything else pounding through the monitors. Well, why don't you just set up different? <laughs> and as far as the mistakes go, I'm going to make mistakes no matter what. Mm-hmm. I mean, I make mistakes even on the, and usually it's this absolute simplest part of the song. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. It's like, okay, just come in right now.
0: Right, no, missed it. Right. Oh, I missed it.
1: Oh. You watch everybody else makes mistakes. That's okay. I mean, the guys I play with are super good players. That's and, true. And and um, I can rely on them. You know, and I can also rely on them if they make a mistake. They're not going to get lost they're gonna figure it out i'll get back on it Mm -hmm. but we are are, we're way past the idea of beating ourselves up for that kind of stuff i mean these kinds of things happen right okay it's just this is how it goes yep that makes sense are the juice of playing live
0: uh steven's actually been on the show before uh great yeah that we had we had a lot of fun talking about all kinds of stuff Uh, i like it was so long ago that i like sort of forgot about it and then when you were coming back on i was like wait a minute Steven's been on this before. <laughs>
1: yeah. So. Probably the best bass player I've ever played with. He's incredible.
0: I've, I've He's watched incredible. him, you know, in preparation for that. I remember going back and just like, geez, this guy's good.
1: <laughs> He's, He's amazing. Good. I got the, to me, I got the, I'm playing with the best rhythm section on earth, I think.
0: Well, that's really important for what you do, too. You know, that's like, so. it's all, dr- that like drives the whole train, you know?
1: Yep. I can rely on them. It's amazing. It's sort of like uh, Pete Townsend writing songs for Keith Moon and John Whistle. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's a good comparison. It's like, you know, you can't go wrong. It's a songwriter's dream. There's nothing I can throw at them they can't do. So speaking of songwriting,
0: have you changed your method or your process for creating songs from back in the day? Or you still pretty much go at it with the same attitude?
1: Uh, um. I don't flog stuff to death the way I used to. Okay. Like a record like Ozma to me, as much as I like those songs, it sounds flogged to death. Like we overcooked it. Mm. And okay. it's just like, nah, it's kind of lost some of its flavor. I think, I think we would do a lot better job on it now if we re-recorded it. Um, but uh, Bullhead sounds that way to me too. Overcooked. But usually with bands like us, or at th- bands at that point in their careers, they don't really have anything else to do except re- rehearse. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. That's it. So your first records is usually massively over-rehearsed. And the um, first record was okay. I think it sounds a little better than the other ones. Um, part of that has to do with uh, who who engineered it. Okay. Which was, uh, was uh, the first record was recorded by this guy. Um Carl Herlofsen, who used to be in Hanoi Rocks, believe it or not. Oh, okay, gotcha. He was on an early version of Hanoi Rock. He did our first album and he really opened my eyes to a lot of stuff that I went back to after the next couple of records. Um, but he was unbelievable. And he taught me a lot about like doubling guitars and why that kind of stuff was good. I mean, I don't like hair metal personally, but um, usually those guys are pretty good players and they, I don't really like the way the records sound, but they certainly know how to make records. Right. Um, and he had great ideas and was a really good, uh, a great guy for, to, to have our first experience for an album.
0: You know, when you talk about doubling guitars, are you t- talking about literally playing them twice or running a DI and reamping them again?
1: No, literally playing it twice. Okay. Try yeah. that again. Now put another guitar on that. Yeah. Do that like that. Play this part of it again you know mm-hmm. double it double I never had occurred to me I mean that was 1986 I think we were recording uh-huh that record um and uh um and I just couldn't believe how great it sounded that's like that's the sound that I've been hearing on records for my you know especially records I really dug oh yeah um you know like a um, um trace Ombres or something like that but ZZ Top the guitars are unbelievable on on that um, I wanted something that was a hybrid of uh, punk rock and heavy metal mixed with like the swans.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I hadn't heard anybody do that. That's what we were kind of looking for. And so when we got Dale in the band, I was looking for specifically for a drummer that could play Iron Maiden stuff. Okay. Put him into a punk rock situation. And Dale knew that stuff inside out. Um, that's what I wanted. And I go, and then, and then, because I knew if he could do that, he could do anything. He could, he could easily play hardcore music or punk rock music without any trouble at all. However, if you take a hardcore drummer or a punk rock drummer, they certainly usually cannot play Iron Maiden. So you're stuck. Right. You know, so if I say to him, I'm doing this song, I have the idea that I want to use a, a drum beat that's kind of a combination of uh, uh, the guy from The Bad Brains mixed with John Bonham mixed with uh, the guy from uh, um, uh, King, or, uh, uh, Gang of Four. He'd be okay. <laughs> got it. I, know what I understand makes. what you mean. Or, you know, like Iron Maiden beat mixed with the guy from the Bad Brain. You know, oh yeah, okay. With that kind of feel on the tom toms. Oh yeah, you know, he'll get it. He can do that. Or well, this is pretty much a straight Iron Maiden type of thing. Okay, I got it. And nobody's going to put that connection together because the music sounds so much different than that.
0: Yeah, I certainly didn't. But now that you say
1: it, it completely makes sense. Clive Burr was a great drummer. I saw them then, you know, and, and he was great. And um, that's what I wanted. Put him into a already punk rock situation with the ability to play full-on heavy metal. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this, this not it's as rare as a dodo bird. In a, um, Especially back
0: then. It became yeah. much more uh, common. I mean, she's like years later, like in the 2000s. A long time. Yeah. 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 So that, then that became more of That's like the where the... Mm, quote unquote metal core thing came came into play but you were, Usually those guys aren't
1: good with the art rock stuff
0: right no, you're right they kind of have a, a bit they're a bit formulaic or they can be not all of them of course
1: all of them there's a few but there's very few people out there that could do what he does mm-hmm you know, without me having to explain it to him for two, two or three hours. <laughs> Cause I don't read music or write music. So when I write most of the material, I have to describe it to him in terms that I understand that, that he can figure out, like, you know, this has a hiccup in the middle of it. Oh, okay. You know, he'll figure out what that is. And mm-hmm. so I, you know, if I, it, it, you know, it's a, it's a feel it's sort of like, if you listen to the live version of voodoo child by, uh, um, you know, what's his name, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan and the live version of Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Well, one of them has a hell of a lot more soul. <laughs> it's the exact same song, exact same notes probably, but one of them has a lot more soul. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the difference. Yes, you're playing it correctly, but it's just not as good.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, oh man,
0: I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, so, so many it's, technically- not something you
1: can teach someone.
0: Right. there are so many technically amazing musicians that I, I'm like, technically, you're very good, but I don't necessarily want to listen to that. You
1: know, No, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. It has nothing to do with making music.
0: It's more like uh, it almost becomes more like athletics in a weird way at that point, where it's just like you're just trying to increase the skill, but not necessarily the emotion or the feel behind it. It's kind of weird.
1: It's very strange along those lines. I also never had any interest in practicing that sort of thing because I never wanted to do it. Right. Why would you practice things you would never want to do? I don't want to play like Eddie Van Halen. As much as I appreciate him, that's never been my thing. I never struggled for that. So I uh, preferred a much weirder cross-section of stuff and um, didn't really want to play guitar solos and things like that exactly like someone else and just had zero interest. If I could play, you know, like, you know, imitate someone wholeheartedly and be just like them, it would probably be a combination of Billy Gibbons and Joe Walsh, you know, guitar wise. That's, that's
0: interesting. I don't think a lot of people would, would draw that conclusion, but yeah. I don't want to sound like that.
1: But if I, if I had to pick what I wanted to sound like, it would be that those guys are great. Nobody's going to talk. Nobody's going to play better than those guys. And they could write songs to mm-hmm. boot. I mean, the James gang are Awesome zz top are awesome especially the early stuff um people who don't like that stuff i just don't know what to tell them sorry i just don't you, you're not speaking my language <laughs> we're not on the same we're just not Do on you the- want to talk just about pure guitar playing it doesn't matter you can play as fast as you want to but those guys are always going to be better than you because they play better than you <laughs> <laughs> That gets back to the whole the, the sound is in the fingers sometimes. It it's a it's the Indian, not the arrow, right? You know, and and so you can get these guys with massive guitar gymnastics. It's okay, you know. But ultimately, who's better? You know, those two guys are better, right? They're better guitar players. Sorry, but
0: they're better. <laughs> they can they can they have the thing, whatever that thing is. They have it.
1: You they know? have the ability to make take long, drawn out bends and 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 noises that have little to do with guitar gymnastics that make what they're doing much more emotional and much more exciting to me
0: Mm
1: -hmm. then fast as you can go (laughs) that's okay but i I, i'm just not impressed and and if the song's not good i don't care i just don't care well and see that's the great thing about eddie
0: you know Van Halen, like, I, that was never, like, my number one favorite things ever. But out of the
1: shredders, he, he to me, had the most feel. You know? Oh, my God. He was a great. And if you, if you had seen, I saw Van Halen in the early 80s. Like, Women and Children First, you saw that tour. They were, if you saw that tour they were, and, and the next one, the, um, the uh, um, what's the name of the record? I can't think of it. The next record, the fourth record. If you saw either one of those tours, they were unbelievable. They were one of the best rock bands I ever saw. I nobody's better than them i can't imagine that that's got to be just next level i don't know nobody think... no nobody they're not there's nobody close no you know as ridiculous as they look they had really kicked song like romeo delight that song's awesome who doesn't like that no kidding man you no know? i mean if you don't like that stuff i don't know what to tell you it's rebellious it's well executed they have a big f- in the middle of the song that they uh, leave in there because the feel is so good um they were just good and mm-hmm. live there was just nobody better
0: and yeah, just insane showmanship, insane playing—that the whole everything,
1: everything—and everything. and it was raw and evil-sounding and no redeeming social value whatsoever. Everything I wanted. Rock and roll <laughs> is rebel music. It's rebel music. That's what it is. And punk rock is even more rebel music. Mm-hmm. That's what's good about it. And you know, I heard this thing um, that the guy, the singer from the Cramps, Lux Interior said. He goes, "The thing about metal is that it's—it's it's, that I like is that it's rebel music, right?" Mm-hmm. It's rebel music. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, what's good about it. Just like Jerry Lee Lewis, or it's just, it's just carrying on that same tradition you know, or, or little Richard or any, it's, it's not really any different than that. What do I want to see? So, you know, very few times does anything top that on a, on a, on a purely uh, 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 aggressive level. Right. Not much. Just and just punk rock out. spoke to me in that same way. And a lot of it. Even though I didn't like all that, I also don't like all heavy metal. But I like the rebellious nature of it. Totally. Well, before I get in trouble, I was
0: pulling up. This, uh, I told the Facebook group that you were coming on here, and yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick some questions from them. Let's see if we got. Uh, let's see if we got anything not ridiculous. Um, <laughs> let's see. I'm willing to answer any ridiculous question. Okay. Let's see. David Poe says thoughts on going from readily available boss pedals to make things to make things. What? Oh, basically, I'll sum it up. He says going from readily available stuff to more boutique stuff. Uh, you know, the theory being like boss stuff's easy to replace on the road. The boutique stuff might be a little more difficult. Do you have any opinions or thoughts on that?
1: Well, I, the boutique stuff I've went to is my own stuff, so I have plenty of those. Right, you got backups. You're good. <laughs> I got backups. I'm good. You know, um, uh, so that that doesn't bother me. But it, you know, if it comes down to it, I, I could easily go back to the boss stuff without any trouble. Nice. Yeah. John Chick Jr.
0: He has a pretty good question. He says, uh, okay. if you could have a theme song play every time you walked
1: into a room, what would it be? My boyfriend's back and you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's fantastic. Um, some
0: of these questions you already hit on, actually, so we don't need to. I'll re-answer them. <laughs> <laughs> You'll say it twice. You know, one of this is like the Hillbush, uh heads versus the sun betas, which you already
1: talked about. Uh, those are so good. Also the Hilbish stuff. Um, I also did a, uh, a compressor with him. That's great. I have that too. And then we just did a new one called the death, Ooh, which nice. is really great. It's like an octave divider. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really
0: I- one of those. That sounds like fun. It's
1: Really good. And I will hopefully come out with a new one. I'm not going to say what it is, but, um, uh, I think he's a genius. And I, I love his stuff. And I love the the box designs are great. There's a few things that I wanted and I'm like, I wanted to plug them in from the top, yes. not from the sides, which I hate <laughs> plugging in it the sides. It just takes up more room on your pedal board. That's true. It's you true. Know, I wanted big pedals, not little tiny, you know, I want things that were made out of metal, not plastic, not junk. You know, I want it made out of metal where if I used it as a hammer, I could cave somebody's head in with it. You, you could, definitely could. Yeah. And the pedal would probably be okay afterwards. That'll be okay. I want it designed like to, to be able to go out on tour with me and not uh, get destroyed into powder. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and, uh, um, that's what we were going for. And the, uh, the, 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 now you can line them up in a row on the bot on the, on the pedal board, they're exact same size. They fit perfectly. And you plug them in from the top. So you just boom, 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 boom. They look great. My wife does the, the, um, design for the, the image design for That's really cool. And, uh, uh, i very much into it. So Yeah. Uh, anyway,
0: I like the uh, I like the soft touch switch too. By the way,
1: love he it. Did. That was
0: a uh, hellbitch's idea, and I was like, "That's a great idea." He did a good job. Sometimes those can be implemented, and they're they're a little um, they put a little bit too much delay in them to avoid the popping. And he got oh, it. Okay. He got it just right. He got it just
1: yeah. right. He he's a, he's a knows what he's
0: doing. He's a great guy. I I've been messaging with him. We're gonna get him on the show one of these days. So oh, um, you should yeah. Um, let's see. So, do you ever, Heath Williamson says, do you ever record
1: with wooden guitars in the studio? I use all kinds of guitars in the studio. Okay. We just did a new recording where I meticulously kept notes of everything I used, every single kind of guitar. Oh, that'll be great
0: for the gear nerds. <laughs> that'll be. I used cool.
1: uh, Firebird, uh, two SGs, um, a Hamer. Uh, um, what else? Um, uh, Travis Bean, uh, an electrical. Uh, uh stratocaster um i think that's it nice Some songs i used all those guitars do you know less Pauls. no less paul on any on any on any song no less paul's on this one okay no well there's been records i did a whole album the nude with boots record because people were saying all kinds of crap i did the nude with boots record not only did i do it with A Les Paul. I did it with the first Les Paul I ever had, which is the one I used on Blue Port Treatments. And I used it for every single part of every song. You think anybody noticed? Right. Nobody (laughs) said a word. All Les Paul. One Les Paul. Do you think it sounds better or worse? And I'm not a vintage guy. I like new guitars. Yeah. Brand new. Yeah. If I can get them brand new. So all the guitars I have now are ones I bought brand new. Okay. Not, Not before, you know, I bought them brand new. They're not brand new now. But I bought a brand
0: new. Yeah, it reminds me the the your signature EGC is the first aluminum guitar I ever played. Oh and, wow, yeah. What'd you think? Well, there was one here, and I was like, "This was really interesting." And I I played it here in a shop in Portland, and I absolutely am like, "Oh jeez, why did I do that?" Because I'm gonna have to get one now. Yeah, like, they're great. It I was such a different experience than than anything I'd had before. You know, I was yes, really shocked. Like,
1: yeah, I was blown away. Honestly. Um, Yeah. I load mine with Les Paul pickups. Oh yeah. Yeah. Les Paul custom pickups in the rear position. And then the front position is the problem I always had with Les Paul's and their pickups was the Les Paul uh, front position pickup, which is the rhythm pickup is always too hot. Mm -hmm. Because I need to switch all the time. I use the middle position and and for uh, a blend of the two and it's all, it was always too hot. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I wanted was I would have to turn it down too much to get it to not feedback. And so, um, uh, I have a low output pickup in there. Gotcha. It solved the problem. And it was really funny when I told Kevin that, he's like, that's such a great idea. And then when he did it and we put a new guitar, he goes, oh my God, so many people are going to love this. You yeah. know what? Nobody yeah. loves it because people, the guitar players are too conservative. Oh, no, I, I, I just love want it normal. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was, I was, I was like, I wasn't sure what to think. Like, I was like, this is, this is unlike, it almost sounds. I've said this about a few different guitars over the years, but this one especially, it almost sounds like it has a piano quality to it.
1: Yeah, it's great. I it's mean, really, the thing is, people, people think that there's too much high end. I was like, I've A beat them. It has more low end than my last Paul by far. <laughs> high end. Huh? It's too, too much high end.
0: I don't know. I, Never. I agree I just, with you that. can't
1: please anyone,
0: you know? Let's see. Let's see what else we got in the group here. There's so many big, long questions that it's like hard to read on the fly. Um, I'll answer
1: with a big, long answer. Let's
0: see. Here we go. Joshua Dupree. I'll chime in. Mr. Buzzo, I hear your influences of Black Flag and other punk bands in your music, but you've managed to put flavor on it that is like no other of that time. Now that you guys are such a big influence on so many bands, are there any that have taken the Melvin's influence and put their own original spin on it that have stood out to you?
1: Uh 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 well yeah, some big ones like Nirvana and uh Soundgarden. Yeah. Oh those oh those bands. <laughs> There's two <laughs> that literally change music on a global level. Mm-hmm. Those would be the biggest. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean the Nirvana influence is like well, well established. <laughs> right.
1: so the, I think uh, he was probably uh, anybody anyone's song. ever done that. Yes, they have. Yes, you know. Doesn't get any bigger. Than that, I've always been happy that our music was able to impact things on a global level. That is That's a that that is
0: a. Do you ever feel like it's you're like the music nerds, Nirvana?
1: Um, I think it's cool, but you know we're far weirder than those bands, so it's no mistake that um, we sold a lot less records, and so we, there's a lot less people who know who we are. I, I'm fully aware of that, and okay with it. I get it. I'm not jealous. People have this idea that I'm jealous or something like that. I, I I couldn't be less jealous. Um, uh, I'm very happy with who I am. I'm jealous people are not happy with where they are or who they are. I'm not that guy. I've never been that guy. If I was that guy, I would have quit a long time ago. I understand my place in the world. It's fine with me. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that it's had that much of an impact. I was right. <laughs> you were my right. Instincts were right. They were right at a time when very little people had any interest, and we kept doing it anyway because I was sure we were onto something. And 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 they those two bands, just those two bands, prove it. Mm-hmm. You were onto something. You were correct. Your musical instincts were hundred percent correct in what needed to happen. Now, if the rest of the world doesn't understand that, there's nothing I can do about it. The rest of the world rarely understands anything I do. That's okay. I'm okay with that. I get to work with people like Kevin Burkett. I get to make records. I get to work with uh, Hilbish. I get to do all these things. I get to play guitar and have fun in a band and play with excellent musicians. Life doesn't get any better than that. I've been married for 28 years to the same woman. I mean, I'm, I'm a happy guy. And to have this whole idea that I'm pissed off, I'm not pissed off about anything. You, you know? know, I think that's really important to, to like, they
0: say that like comparison is the thief of joy. And it seems like you've, uh, you've come
1: to that conclusion without having to be told. <laughs> you know? oh, I don't care. I mean, I, I have always appreciated those, that, those kinds of things. and I was always, always very appreciative that they mentioned that. They mm-hmm. talked about it. Now, they're fans. They're not, they, they don't like what we do because they have very little understanding in what those people do. Well, I mean... Very little. They yeah. don't really understand where their music is coming from. They don't understand those guys at all. If they hate us which is the very essence of what those fans are doing, then they would understand nothing about those bands. Certainly not where they come from. They're big fans of ours. And it's not because they're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they're just far more sophisticated than the vast millions of people who bought their records. Now, That's just the way it is.
0: How, how many people do you think took the path that I did where I found you through Nirvana?
1: Oh, lots. And that's mm-hmm. fine with me. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't, uh, that, that kind of thing doesn't bother me. I'm just glad you got there at all.
0: Yeah. I mean, so am I.
1: <laughs> I was happy like, about that. I like, we continued to make records. It's not like we, we never slowed down. We've, those bands have, have fell by the wayside and, and came back and, and, you know, a lot of other things like that, but we never stopped. I make records, we make records all the time. And still, and have managed to do a massive, massive amount of music. We have a new thing coming out now, uh, soon. It's a four album all acoustic record. Yes, you know, yes, where we reimagine a, a new song just came out today, uh, uh Pitfalls and Serving Warrants, another single, uh, um, which came out really good. So I got to do that with uh, Dale and Steven. they play acoustic bass, acoustic guitar, and uh, Dale plays uh, um, brushes on the record. But if you hear it, I think people are going to be severely surprised about how great that stuff sounds, even though it's
0: acoustic. I was like really, really surprised. I was like, what is this going to be? And I can't believe how it translated. It and works. It does. You know? That I
1: mean, The bones are good. If that's it. A good song is a good song. It takes, it takes somebody like Hendrix or ZZ Top or those guys, it wouldn't matter how they recorded. It would be no. good because the songs are good. Mm-hmm. And these guys, these guys that I play with are able to translate it Get that feel, no matter what we're using. We can literally go into a studio with any kind of equipment and make a record. It wouldn't matter. Just go. We're just going to use whatever's at the studio. It'd still work, right? Because because they're good, and because I can handle that. I can. It's it's. Those are just tools. Guitars are just tools. Amps are just tools. You know. You you can make it work. When I go and fly somewhere. Uh, And play a gig. I'll just go give me you know X X Marshall amp with two four by twelves. It's going to sound generic and not as good as what I normally do, but I can certainly make it work. Mm -hmm. I can make anything work. Do you get a lot of
0: inspiration out of new gear? New gear? Yeah, like is gear really inspires me to make stuff. But I know some people don't get that excited about it. How do you feel about it?
1: Oh, I love I love gear. I mean, I we use a lot of different stuff in the studio. We, we recorded Toshi Kasai in a, in a studio in LA and um, we uh, uh, have lots of guitars. So a lot of times when I do a double now, uh, at the time I didn't have, I'll, I'll double the same part, but I'll use a different guitar mm-hmm. with exact same amp settings and everything. Yeah. And that gives it enough towards it's different enough. I got out of my way to do things of that nature, but I love guitars. I think guitars are one of the most amazing, beautiful things on earth. Is there
0: any that are just like on the... I don't know, the bucket list, for lack of a better term. Like,
1: man, I really want to get one. And yeah, one. I, have, I have pretty much everything I ever wanted. The only one I want is a, uh, um, I think it's called a um, Rickenbacker 481. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, with the slanted pickups. Yes. Those are not cool. That's the one I want. But I don't <laughs> want to pay 2000 bucks for it. So I'm just not, I'm not that interested in it. <laughs> that's, that's really about it. I mean, I probably would take a couple of old Venture, uh, Ventures model Mosrites. Oh, yeah, those are sick, too. That would be cool. Um, but uh, I would even take a remake of one of those. But I don't know if they're making those. Maybe they are. I don't, I don't pay attention that much to gear. You know? I like Gibsons, some Fenders. Um, I have a you know Mustang. It's really nice. about 35 years old. So like I bought that new. I have a, a Jaguar I really like that's new. That's probably seven or eight years old. It's really great. And I wanted that one because it had a painted headstock. Which matches the body, which usually doesn't happen. I thought that was really cool. And those guitars are really severely underrated, I think. They're really cool very, guitars. Very, very. And don't like the Jazz Masters as much. I think the Jaguar is a better guitar, personally. Um, uh, but uh, they're weird to play. Um, I have one I really like. Um, I still like Les Paul's. I, I, I have three um, two black ones and a uh, my original red one. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the red ones, a 70. 1970. I bought that in the early 80s for 400 dollars And I, I thought I, I was so much money I couldn't even imagine how I could spend that much money on a guitar. I still have it. You know, but I'm not, you know, I'm not precious about like I'm not gonna ever go out and buy 1965, uh, you know, or some early 60s strat. I just couldn't care less about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't care less. It's like it's fine. I get just as much enjoyment out of new guitars as I ever would out of buying an old one you know the firebird i have is probably five years old six years old that thing's great brand new gibson you get a good one you get a good one they made a lot of bad old guitars
0: you know Hendrix always played new guitars <laughs> that's right he sounded great with his brand new
1: guitars he had to exactly. light them on fire what are the velvet underground so did led zeppelin <laughs> mm-hmm. that's true those are brand new guitars brand new guitars velvet underground played all that stuff with brand new guitars well <laughs> so, yeah we want to be a combination of the velvet underground and iron Maiden. that's a good combo yeah all right and mixed in with captain beefheart okay. as we always say we're captain beefheart playing heavy metal <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> i haven't heard that
0: that's hilarious that's that was- it
1: when you think about it that's what we're doing that's true that if is captain true. beefheart played heavy metal it'd be the melons
0: you're really like drawing a lot of you're connecting a lot of dots for me now so
1: <laughs> yeah that's-, thought, that's our our biggest inspiration. we did a record a few years ago um called uh, everybody loves sausage juice which is all covers of bands that were big influences on us that maybe people hadn't thought of oh, like the Fugs and david bowie and just you know the, the roxy music and all kinds of stuff that record check out and people didn't really get that they go oh, due to covers record It's like well it's a covers record of bands that are influences that maybe you didn't think of mm-hmm. like there's no sabbath cover on there or anything as much as we like that stuff with well, those too obvious it was like let's let's think about bands that maybe people hadn't heard of that makes a lot of sense you yep. know that, that that wouldn't or hadn't decided oh yeah the melvin's that's what they sound like and we thought maybe that would clear things up to people but there's kind of people kind of missed the point so mm-hmm. oh I'm well that out. i love it so yeah. it, it's it's a uh you know venom and bands like that are on it you know dude that sounds awesome Venom. I I doubt. I doubt there's another band who's done a covers record that includes Venom and Roxy music. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. And the Fugs.
0: Hey, I know we've hit that point where you got to. All right, man. But this was so fun. Oh, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. This is great. All right. All right. For Buzz, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. Well, there you have it, King Buzzo, Buzz Osborne. We did it. We did the thing. It happened. That was real. That was a real episode. My mind is still kind of melting from that. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you're not familiar with the Melvins, which is hard to imagine if you are someone who listens to this podcast, but if you're not, dig into that back catalog. Get going. Do some research. Find that riff-filled library. Get involved. I mean, seriously. What is going on? you don't know the Melvins, please get to know the Melvins. They are definitely one of the most influential bands out there. I think uh, Buzz was, you know, selling him short when he, uh, you know, he talked about just those those two little bands, you know, those few little bands they may have had some impact on. You know what I mean. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you really like this podcast and you want to support it and keep it on the airwaves... Or internet waves, whatever waves these are, I'm not really sure. Bit waves? I'm not sure. What am I talking about? It's late and I'm tired. But if you would like to support this show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can see that little subscription button, or you can go to Patreon.com/slash ToneMob. And both of those, for about five bucks a month, will get you extra content delivered to your ears every week. Unfortunately, Buzz wasn't able to hang out for any longer on this particular episode, which I totally understand. He had a bunch of interviews to do, but I do have a sneak peek of an upcoming episode that won't be released for quite a while coming uh, at you this week for all of those supporting subscribers, plus all of the who knows how many hours of back catalog bonus episodes are over there. There's a ton of content. There's a ton of stuff, and I super appreciate it. Everyone who supports over there, thank you so much. And as always, if you can't, hey, I get it. I totally, totally, totally understand. But if you could please tell someone about this podcast. Tell somebody about it. I know I ask for this every week. I know. It sounds like I'm begging because I am. I am begging. Please tell people. That's all we have with podcasts. We don't have algorithms to drive these things forward. We don't have you know, magic memes that can teleport these things you know, into your friends' feed. All we have is you supporting the show and telling your friends, and that's what it's all about. So thank you so much for everyone that's supported for all these years. I promise to deliver the best stuff I can, and I, I'm going to keep doing it. So with that, I think I'll sign off and try to get some shut-eye before I answer a bunch of these emails. Or after I answer. Yeah, after I answer a bunch of emails. It'd be weird if I went to sleep and anyway I'll talk to you on the internet very soon bye bye one last thing before we totally sign off here I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy that Stringjoy guitar strings made in Nashville that will help me out as well as I've said for years I'm heavily involved in that company and I really do think they're making the best products on the market